Namaste and welcome to another episode of the Vichar Mantan podcast. My name is Sumit Sharma and it is my great honor to be hosting this project, a Vichar Mantan project looking to explore dharmic concepts through a civilizational lens. Very excited today to bring on Bhavya Shah. He's the current national president of the National Hindu Student Forum. Bhavya Ji did his undergrad degree from Queen Mary's in computer science and now works in the civil service in software development. Bhavya Ji, welcome to the podcast. Namaste. Thank you for having me, Sumit Ji. So, you're the national president of the National Hindu Students Forum. For anyone that doesn't know what that is, could you enlighten us further? Yeah, so the National Hindu Students Forum is an organization and movement in the UK currently that serves the British Hindu students. So we mainly run Hindu societies at universities across the UK. We're in around 40 universities right now. And what we aim to do is to develop future Hindu leaders. That time at university is so, so important. Right? A lot of us during that 18 to 21 year period are forming our worldviews. Uh, we're exploring ourselves as the youngsters like to call it nowadays. And so what we provide is a safe space for anyone to explore our dharmic traditions. That's very interesting. Um, maybe you'd like to elaborate further, but how is this not just the Hindu society or the Indian society? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, it's funny because we do call ourselves Hindu societies on campuses, but we do far more than that. And I'll take you maybe through a typical schedule of a Hindu society. So whilst I was, I was at Queen Mary, you know, our typical week, we would have first an arti. So we call it an arti, but really it's a learning session. So every Tuesday, 6 p.m., we would get together, members would get together, and we would probably discuss some topics, maybe if it's Navratri, uh, you know, learning about Navratri and the importance of it, etc. Uh, and then do an arti, then probably have a fun social, play some games with, with each other. Then on Wednesdays, we would have our sports days. So as a university and as a society, we would do, I think, five different sports. So gabbadi, koko, badminton, cricket, football, uh, and netball, six different sports. There you go. And then we would do some seva activities maybe later on in the week. And so you can sort of see the breadth of activities we're doing. And one of the reasons for this is we realize that not all Hindu students are the same. Some people are very much inclined to bhakti and they like arti sessions, like bhajans. And so let's cater for them. Some people like the spiritual element of it. So maybe more yoga, meditation sessions. Some people like the seva aspect of things. So therefore we'll cater to them. And some people are just starting that journey of understanding who is a Hindu. So an easy way to grab them, to bring them together is through socials, through games, through sports. And so each of them have their own path and own journey to discover what is their identity. That's great. And one of my questions I wrote down was with something like the Hindu Dharma being so plural and people experience or go through their own journey in such a diverse way, how does one platform or one group of people keep everyone sort of entertained and engaged? And I think, I think you've answered that, that pretty well. So obviously you were, you were part of NHSF growing up, so you would have gone to sort of Hindu society at university? Yeah, so in my first year at university, I was just a member at Queen Mary, um, became a first year rep. Uh, in my second year, I ran for president. That's president of your Queen Mary. Of, of Queen Mary, sure. yes. So how does one then... So you're actually the national president of, yes. sort of the, the entire UK, <laughs> yeah. right? Is it just the UK? Uh, just the UK for now. Um, 
In fact, uh, we have just recently started. Uh, we've got a team in Norway. So students in Norway uh, have created National Hindu Students from Norway. Brilliant. So um, the team is out there doing great, great things and starting off. Awesome. And so how many students are sort of part of this, part of this collect? Uh, so last year we had uh, just over 4,000 paid members. Um, paid members meaning that each Hindu society locally would charge a fee you know, like any other society sure, sure. Um, to, to, you know, to become a member. So just over 4,000 members. But in terms of reach and people we get out at our events, we're around eight to 10,000 students. That's, that's a lot of students. And would you say you have to take responsibility for the way in which NSF is conducted, um, represented? 100%. 100%. Um, you know, if we do pride ourselves in, in being the voice for British Hindu students, you know, we've got to help hold ourselves accountable. Um, and some of the ways we do this is by, you know, having structures and teams in place. So we have a national committee, which is what I sit on. And that national committee are normally recent graduates or final year of university. And what they do is look to support our committee members and our students on the ground. So we have different teams, you know, campus team that really does look at what is the student problems on the ground right now? How can we look to help and solve some of these problems? Uh, Sanskar team that looks to how can we bring our Hindu dharmic principles and apply them to Britain, apply them to our everyday life here. And so these different teams work together to, to cater for those British Hindu students. Brilliant. And I love that last bit there, you know, the, the problems that the, the, the youth are facing in the UK. And I think Vichar Mantan attempts to answer some of these questions, even if it's just by bringing up the dialogue, starting the conversation. So, so Bhavya, we're very happy to have you onto the podcast. And for our listeners at home, right? So I've, I've done some work with the NHSF before. Uh, sort of public speaking events and, and gratitude workshops yeah. and things like that, National Committee Days. And I can see it's a, a very well-motivated uh, bunch of young adults taking responsibility, striving forward and, and standing up for what they believe is important. And not just, you know, what they believe is important, but a very key part of their identity, which in this case is their Hindu dharma, is quote-unquote their religion, so to speak. A lot of students, a lot of committee members all running in their voluntary time. I mean, how long How long has this organization been around? And where, where did it first start? Yeah, so we're actually celebrating our 30th anniversary. So we started in 1991, well, academic year of 1991, oh. 92. And the reason why we started, um, it's very small. Uh, I think five to 10 students, Hindi students got together because they saw a need. At that time, if you looked at campuses, especially university campuses, there wasn't much Hindu representation. There was no Hindu society. There was no celebrating Utsavs on campuses like we do now. Why is representation important? Because, uh, like I alluded to at the start, you know, a lot of the times students, you know, you're living out of home for the first time. You're living on your own. And you sort of want to create that home away from home, something that's familiar to you, keeping your culture close to you. And so that's what our Hindu society looks to do. Also in 1991, there was a bigger problem as well. On campuses, a lot of forced conversion grooming was happening. Um, there was a group called Hizbut Tahir. Uh, I probably butchered the pronunciation. But if you look at them now, they're banned on any UK campuses by the NUS. And what they would do is go around converting our Hindu boys, girls, Sikh boys, girls, um, forcefully. 
and they would have a campaign to do so. Um, so much so that you know our founders at that time saw that as a real need to start a Hindu society, bring Hindus together, and create again that safe space for Hindus. So um, that that's our origins, and since then we've been working on campaigns similar, uh, and that campaign was called Beware, and it worked. Uh, a lot of working with the NUS, with the government, to get these organisations banned from UK campuses. Born out of a need to connect and, and identify with, you know, things that you believe in. So very admirable there. Uh, and from what my experience is, it's quite sort of grassroots organisation, you know, working, working with the students on the ground, like you mentioned, all the sort of sports activities and those kind of things. Have you got any stats? Like... 10,000 10, students, 8,000 students in the UK. I mean, how many members have there been over 30 years? Do we know those numbers? <laughs> Very hard to keep tabs. I think we probably... Oh, God. I don't know. If we take an average of maybe 7,000 per year times that by 30, you've got the answer there. Sure, <laughs> sure. And you, you alluded to a few things there, you know, sort of anti-Hindu sentiments and uh, campaigns that you've had. Yeah. Um, and I think in your AGM report, I was reading about the Dharmic prayer room. So lots to uncover. Very excited to, again, have you on this platform. If you are enjoying this podcast so far, and if you would like to help us to invest in ideas that matter, then we could do with your support. All you have to do is become our well-wisher. You can sign up for a monthly donation via our website, which is vicharmanthan.org. By you becoming a well-wisher, this supports our work and together we can invest in ideas that matter. Thank you for listening. Um, for those that want to know more about the NHSF, where can they find that information? Yeah, so if you head over to our website, nhsf.org.uk, uh, you'll find a bunch of things that we do. Um, there's also a place where you can sign up to our mailing list. Uh, and also, if you're a student looking to start a Hindu society at uni university, you can get in contact and more than happy to help. And I'm sure, um, yeah, we can create that legacy again. I remember actually I was at university uh, in Birmingham and there, there was no Hindu society. So there were, there were a few girls that I knew. And we sort of reached out and started doing RFD on Tuesdays. It was quite cool. I had never heard of the NHSF at this point. And then slowly, slowly, we sort of become organized. We had a holy event. It was all very small and very yeah. niche. And I think as a young Hindu student, I felt quite proud to be bringing some of what was home and nice for me to my university life, which was a home away from home. And I, I'm sure since it's, it's developed into something more flourishing. And I see a raft of students come through and up through the ranks and they all go on to have very successful careers and jobs. And it's it's warming, it's homely, I feel like they're part of my family. So, And I'm sure, I'm sure other societies, other uh, religious representations have a similar story too. Do you have a, a cross-connection? Are you, say, in touch with, I don't know, the, the Jewish society or another society? Do those things work? Yeah, so actually quite earlier on, um, when I was talking about 91, we worked with the UJS, so that's the Union of Jewish Students, the equivalent of NHSF for the Jewish community. Um, and help, they helped us in that campaign. Uh, until now, we're still close allies, work with each other. But yeah, I definitely agree. Even when I was at university, the Hindu society would be my family. You know, I would have my course mates that probably weren't Hindu, but, you know, good friends. But majority of my friends are where I felt at home was the Hindu society. Uh, and I probably shouldn't disclose this, but uh, 
I definitely spent more times at Hindu society events and lectures. Let's mm. put it that way. Yeah. And, and it's paid off, right? Look, you're, you're the national president now. That's representation. And, and I bet the skills you're acquiring and the types of people you're meeting are going to help you in your sort of professional life as well. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, things like planning and project managing events that are a thousand people big. At 21 years old, not a lot of people can say they've done that. But this is exactly what we aim to do as NHSF, upskill the Hindu youth of today so that they can go on to become future leaders. That's awesome. Excellent motive. Um, and, and I'm a true champion. So listen, for all the, the podcast listeners out there, you've got to tune in to see what the NHSF are doing. Uh, will there be a podcast for the NHSF soon? <laughs> we're, we're looking. We're looking. Um, possibly some future material out there soon. Awesome. Look, 30-year organization centered around sort of religious sentiments. There must be some challenges that have been faced along the years. So maybe we could hone in on some of the challenges that you've faced or you've seen in your sort of short presidency so far. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think the biggest one, and that's our Hindu students, and not just Hindu students, but Hindus in this country, understanding what is the Hindu identity. I think, especially university students, have a tough time articulating what is a Hindu, who is a Hindu. And if you can't do that, it's very tough to be proud of being a Hindu. I, I, you, I've heard it all the time, like, oh, I'm, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for me, when that brought to life was when I was at Queen Mary, I was president there uh, with Kieran. And, you know, we have freshers' fairs, all, the, all of the societies have their stalls. And so we had, obviously, the Hindu society stall. And quite a few times we would have, you know, Hindu students come up, but they're in a group of friends and then they shy away. They turn their back to us and go off to the football society or something like that. You know, just that lack of pride in our identity. Okay. So problem that you face sort of with, with identity and maybe some of the solutions. How has NHSF tried to tackle that? One thing is we run talks. Run talks on who is a Hindu. And I, I, I know maybe the first podcast or the second podcast actually answered that question. So whoever's listening, uh, tune into those and you'll find out. But running those talks on who is a Hindu and you know, what, is, what does being a Hindu mean, that opens eyes for many students. Um, because definitely what Hinduism is taught in school is definitely not what we practice as Hindus. Uh, and I think you alluded earlier, right? The plural nature of being a Hindu and the, these dharmic traditions. So unfoiling what is that, what does that mean, and bringing some clarity to these students so that they then can go and explore what being a Hindu now means. That's so interesting. And, and I think you've discussed it, right, is when you are a young student, you are a sponge to the real world. You've just come out of, you've just come out of school life, which isn't real life. And you're, you're opened up to the, the big bad world of where people will pry on naivety. And if you are unaware of how social systems work, how professional systems work, then you could get swept away with not knowing your identity. And I think a lot of people face crisis when they don't know who they are. And, and that's not even something at a student age. Anywhere in your age, if you're unaware of who you are, what value you bring to the world, what your worth is, then it can be a tough time trying to establish your mark or, or build your brand or build a life that's flourishing for yourself. So joining a society, and look, like, like you said, right, people join the football society. 
as we go through life, we wear many hats. We have many labels. Like you could be a Mancunian. <laughs> you could be uh, an IT bod. There are so many identities and labels that we come across. And so, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this point. <laughs> <laughs> Namaste, everyone. Sumit Sharma here. As I was editing this podcast, I came across this clip and chuckled at how I'd forgotten my train of thought. But I'm reminded now, and that is simply the fact that we have so many identities growing up. It's a challenge to balance the needs and wants of who we're trying to become as we grow through life, as we mature through stages of different friendships and relationships and, and jobs and careers and passions and skills and contributions to life, experiences thereof. And for a student especially, I think that's a really important stage in their life where you're shaping your worldview, where you're really getting to grips with how the world works, how society is and I think passioned to know how you can change it for the better how do you develop a more flourishing society maybe you start with yourself maybe it's internal anyway I'll let you get back to the podcast so you talked about identity um, be Hindu and owning that are there any fundamentals or principles that help someone establish what those are yeah, I mean, again, it's so broad that it's hard to narrow down. But, but we as a national committee have this internal theme that sort of guides our uh, activities, our events, and you know, the general purpose of what we do. And so it's, it's fairly simple, and I'll break it down. So at, you know, sort of at the bedrock, we have this thing called Be Hindu. I think it's quite self-explanatory, Be Hindu. Um, but we've broken it down into smaller subsets. So one is owning our identity. And there's multiple ways to do this, you know, own your identity in what you wear. Now, I wear a raki, some girls wear bindis, etc. Maybe a traditional gurta. Own your identity in whatever manner it is. Second is celebrate our values. So whether these be through utsavs, whether it be through just your general everyday life. You know, these dharmic values and dharmic principles, how can we celebrate them? I, um, I, I recently had um, somebody ask me, oh, you know, do you have another Hindu festival? I was like, actually, there's a festival for every day if you want, you know, Pretty if you much. really look into it. <laughs> and I think that's a beautiful concept because you're literally celebrating life on a daily basis. That's exactly what it is. And then, then there are those sort of highlight events, you know, sort of Diwali, Holi, these yeah. kind of, you know, uh, JNTs and things like that, which let us highlight in particular a set of values from a particular uh, Bhagwan. Or, but yeah, daily life being celebrated. So... I like that. Celebrate the values. Yeah. What, are, what are some of those values, maybe, for someone that doesn't know? Yeah, so things like ahimsa. So, you know, non-harming or causing the least harm as possible. And I think in today's society, more relevant because when we talk about ahimsa, we don't just talk about to your own body, to yourself, but also to others. So how can you, you know, try not to upset others, try not to be violent towards others in whatever manner, but going beyond that to the environment as well. And I think, you know, global warming is obviously a massive issue right now and, you know, growing concerns about how we should be treating our environment. But, you know, our Hindu value of Hinsa teaches us respect Mother Earth, mm. try and cause the least harm as possible. So, you know, it's, it's impossible to not cause harm. You know, we all have to get to work, travel, etc. But how can you be the most conscious self and 
do your part in making the environment better. Yeah, that's, that's a great concept. So a few things come to mind there. So Sadhguru's got a current campaign for Save Soil. Yes. That's, that's pretty big. You know, he's touring how many countries and how many days. And it's quintessentially, we all come from the earth and the topsoil that we are using right now is not where it should be. So the planet's being damaged. So I think we can practice ahimsa in that way. Uh, and, and so that time of recording yesterday was Earth Day. Yeah, And, you know, so I see a lot of companies talk about sustainability and, and how they're, you know, looking after Mother Earth. But and, and I think what you said there was quite interesting. We're reducing the harm. So the understanding is that harm may be caused. But if you're consciously and with awareness trying to reduce that or causing as little harm as possible. Uh, then, then you're in a great, great place. So that's a great value to have. Are yeah. there any others you'd like to share? Yeah, so, so the last one that we home in on is a sevak mindset. So, you know, we talked about doing seva. So how can you condition yourself as a human being so that you have that seva bhao? So that naturally, in everyday life, you have this urge to give back, to do just selfless service. And so whether it be, you know, as simple as, you know, you see... Maybe an elderly lady crossing the streets, struggling with her bags. You go and help her. Whatever it may be, how can you condition yourself so that it becomes from conscious to unconscious? And I'm trying to build that, and it, it takes years to do that. So That's interesting, right? From conscious to conscious. But you've got to get it into conscious first. You, yeah, you've got to do it actively first. Actively try to help, be selfless, celebrating values and owning your identity. I think these are great markers. These are... Even at a human level, like this isn't even like religious or no. Hindu specific. Yeah, yeah. So I, you're into your boxing and training. So I think, you know, you might know to create a habit, you sort of consciously need to dedicate time towards it. Then maybe what I think they say after 30 days, it sort of becomes a part of your daily life. I I've, heard, I've heard things like uh, if you do something for 21 days, that creates a habit. So day 22, you're made. But that's just habits and habits can go come and go. Yeah. To build a lifestyle, you need to do something for 90 days. Yeah. So uh, for anyone listening, if there's something that you want to change within your life, become a better person, just do one thing every day for 90 days and, and maybe email in and let us know how, <laughs> how that's gone. But, but that's, that's the sort of the bedrock. And sort of last year, what we've added is two extra wings, if you like. Um, one is this connection to Bharat. So, and I purposely use Bharat, not India. Because when we talk about Bharat, we don't sort of mean the nation state of India, the politics, government, none of that. We don't care about that. What we do care about is the land in which our, our values have come from. And so there's a great word for it, Bunya Bhumi. And so that sort of translates to the land in which our values come from. And so we know the Harmic traditions come from Bharat. So for every Hindu to understand truly what does it mean to be Hindu, truly what is our values, our culture you have to have this connection to Bharat. And that connection isn't ethnicity, it's not language, it's not race, it's values. Mm. If you subscribe to that way of living and that value system, then you'll have that connection to Bharat. And then on the flip side is, you know, we're a UK-based organisation. Uh, a lot of us are born in the UK, we'll pay our taxes in the UK, and then we'll die in the UK. And so what we realize is we need to have this affinity towards Britain and UK. You know, it's good understanding where our dharmic values have come from, but really we should be putting those values and dharmic principles into action here to make Britain more dharmic, more sustainable. And, and that we call our karma bumi, where we're doing the work. 
Awesome. And yeah, it makes sense. I was born here, educated here, live, breathe, everything. I've always have an affinity to, to India, to Bharat. Um, but I strongly also believe the work you're doing should affect the society in which you live. There's no point you, you know, living here and not contributing to this society. We're, we're a part of that. And I think that's something that Hindus do wherever they go. Yes. They attempt to flourish. And, and when we use the term Hindu, we're not talking specifically about the people of the Hindu religion. No. We're talking about people from all over India. Yes. And all the Dharmic. All these Dharmic faiths, Dharmic traditions, definitely. So yeah, that's... I myself, I'm a Jain. Fine, okay. So, and I call myself Hindu, so yeah. And, and I, I know plenty of Sikhs and Buddhists and, and other Hindus that all subscribe to this same lineage of thinking. And like the Hindu tradition has come from 10,000 plus years of, of rich heritage. Um, I, for one, am, am very proud of that. And definitely I have seen through some of the work with Vichar Manthan and, and organizations such as NHSF have seen how these positive value-based systems can contribute to modern Britain in a positive manner. Um, and we could probably explore that on another VM fireside at, at another date. Bavi, let's, let's move forward. So I read in, in the AGM and I've seen some of the reports online about something that we've celebrated here in the UK quite recently, and that is the Dharmic Prayer Room. Tell me, where did that begin? How did it come about? Why is it important? Tell us more. Yeah, so the Dharmic Prayer Room actually was in work for God, five plus years, so before my time on NHSF. Um, the local King's Committee at the time and people on NHSF National Committee realised that you know, a lot of our university societies were actually renting out classrooms and lecture halls to do their artis or their learning talks because they either didn't have equal access to the multi-faith rooms or they just wasn't a multi-faith room. And so... You know, a lot of campaigning was done, petitions, work with the King's College itself. And in 2018, I believe it was, uh, our vice president, uh, well, our former vice president, Akshaya, she went to the NUS conference to propose a motion. And the motion stated that all faiths should have equal access to any multi-faith room. And that's fair, right? And that's fair to say we would like an equal opportunity, equal access to where it's gone. And actually surprising that it's taken so long. Like we're living in the 21st century. Things like diversity, equity, inclusion are important, yeah. at least to corporates. Why is it not in the student space? And then that's exactly what we campaigned for. And so King's was the first university to take on board this. And so we worked very closely with the students' union and the vice chancellors at King's. And so they built a purpose room for Dharmic faiths and Dharmic traditions. Um, so the UK's first Dharmic prayer room, and it's open for all just Dharmic faiths and Dharmic traditions to go meditate, pray, whatever you wish to do. Um, and we hope this is a trigger point for the rest of the universities to follow suit, because there are still universities out there that need to hire out classrooms or lecture halls to do the activities. Sure. Brilliant. And I bet this didn't come easy. I bet there have been some challenges along the way. 100%. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we've been trying for the last 30 years yeah. to get this. And this is that true definition of that safe space on campus. Because now we do have a physical space on campus that we can say is a safe environment for you to explore Dharmic traditions. Um, and, and I read somewhere online about some of the challenges that have been faced now that there is a Dharmic prayer room. Things have happened. Yeah, so I, it's... it's a funny one, 
Okay. Uh, in the sense that, you know, you have this space on campus and then it sort of gets misused. So we had people coming in, um, leaving litter around, covering murtis, you know, not leaving it in a nice space that you would do in your mandir. And so that was the challenge of, you know, how do we ensure that, you know, one, it is purpose built for Dharmic faiths or people to explore Dharmic faiths. So how do you regulate that? Mm. And two, how do you make sure that that room is looked after? Uh, and so what the King's Committee did and the Hindu Society at King's did was great. They got in contact uh, and they worked with other Dharmic societies there. The student union was very helpful. And so now they've got a set of, uh, in quotation marks, ground rules that you must adhere to to use that Dharmic uh, prayer room. And forever, whoever studies at King's, you can go to room and you can see the list of rules there. Um, but one of the main highlighted points is this room is purpose-built for Dharmic traditions. Interesting there that you need a set of rules to help people govern the actions that they that they bestow upon this safe space. Yeah. What does that say about I don't know society or or the students or individuals in particular? Like, is that a lack of respect or integrity? I think so. And I think that's that's sort of two folds. Is you know, it's when you have nice things. People sort of mess it up for you. Mm. But it's also as, you know, you've got to have the earnest on yourself as a Hindu, especially at King's or someone from a Dharmic background at King's, that this is now my space. So do I feel that responsibility of I'm going to look after it, I'm going to make sure it's looked after? And I think you, when you grow up, you sort of realise that, you know, no one will look after your things. You've got to do it for yourself. You've got to develop that responsibility for... Not now, not just yourself as a student, but those around you and things and spaces around you also. And I think you you said there, right? Like your own mandir or your own temple. You wouldn't leave litter around there. You wouldn't desecrate that. You wouldn't allow others to come into that space either. And like I know it happens, and I think there have been cases in Swindon where yeah. the the mandirs have been attacked and and looted and things like that. So there are still challenges for this earnest dharmic traditions and faiths in modern Britain. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And that sort of, I don't know, flows on to, you know, things that we have seen recently of anti-Hindu sentiments or Hindophobia. Um, Massive topic. And, yes. And there, there will, I think there will be a podcast on this, on this in Fantastic. specific uh, with the Hindu American Foundation. But anti-Hindu sentiments, tell me more. Like, obviously, you've, you've traveled up and down the country, yes. visiting universities, where do you see it? Why, where does it come from? Yeah, I mean, quite a few things. I mean, I think what's been in sort of the media and the news, news outlets is uh, Oxford, where we had a Hindu-elect uh, SU president, Rashmi Samant. And then, you know, they started targeting her for being Hindu, etc., and other things. And, you know, uh, postdoc researcher, Abhijit Sarkar, sort of went after Rashmi. And you see his tweets... Um, blatantly, um, you know, just, just ridiculous tweets going after her tradition, her faith, her parents. And, you know, how can that stand? How can, how can someone uh, like a postdoc researcher who does teach classes target a Hindu student who is probably, what, 21, 22 years old? That's, that's crazy. So even if you take out all the identities that you've put in there and just leave teacher and student. There you go. That's, that's, that's bad. And then layered on top of that are those, yeah, 
That's mm. terrible. It was a big, big article. People can obviously read about it. So, I mean, this is in academia, right? We're not even talking about in sort of corporate responsibility or in civil or anything else. This is literally in academia. Yeah. A place you would think is holds a level of sanctity. 100%. Um, the, the other case was at Cambridge last year where our Cambridge Hindu Society um, launched a campaign against one of their professors, uh, Brian Vada Gopal, uh, because a series of tweets, and her tweets are quite funny, so I do urge people to go and read them, a series of tweets that you know, sort of said, block all Hindus from having a H1B and being naturalized because something that happened in India. So she equated Indian politics to Hindus. Wow. And, you know, I mean... I don't know about you, but I know nothing about Indian politics. Sure. <laughs> and so our Hindu society launched a campaign against her. And they were very soon met with backlash from her, where she would go after the Hindu society president. Comes from a non-ethnic, non-Indian ethnic background. You know, so uh, he looks different. He's white, uh, by skin color. And so she posted a picture of him and tweeted or captioned the tweet, who do you think would, I'm going to paraphrase it, who do you think would know more about Hinduism, me or him? Wow. And so that, I would call that bullying. That's, yeah. Yeah, if it's not bullying, it's harassment. And if it's not harassment, it's just outright ridiculous. Yeah. Um, especially from a faith which is plural, which is allowing you to experience your own self. Like, for, for the listeners at home that maybe don't know, Dharmic faiths are not prescriptive in their nature. No. There's not rules as such. There are guidelines and, and ways in which to help you realize your own value and, and bring yourself to society and help society flourish. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty black and white. That's not great. Yeah, yeah. So these are just some of the issues. And I think one big issue we had was quite last, last year. And I don't know if it falls within the category of Hindophobia or anti-Hindu sentiments, uh, but it definitely was targeted where... During freshest time, so September last year, a lot of our Hindu society WhatsApp group chats, you know, yeah, freshest group chats, uh, were infiltrated. Uh, and people started posting things like, um, are you guys cowpest drinkers? Do you guys wear cowpoo on your head? Is that what it is? And pornographic images and whatnot. And more worse than that, they would start targeting our Hindu girls, messaging them privately. And harassing them. This is like blatant racism. Yeah. Um, at, again, at a student level, it's sad to hear, man. You're, you're talking about students here, 18 to sort of 20, 20 plus years, being targeted for their belief systems. Like, you would think we're still living in maybe 60s, 50s or, some, or, or another time. This is, this is 2022. Right. Um, that is sad to hear. What, what can one do? How can one support? So... I think there's two folds there. Where if you have faced any sort of anti-Hindu sentiments or Hindu phobia, I would urge you all to report it. You know, report it to the police or your local council, whoever it may be. Now, they might not be able to do anything about it, but what it does is it increases statistics. Mm. So when we do go to lobby uh, university and student unions that, you know, you should adopt a framework to deal with Hindu phobia, we can show them statistics of last year X amount of people were targeted because of Hindu phobia. Uh, and the other thing is to become more assertive as Hindus. I think that's key, especially within the students. Be proud of your Hindu identity 
and don't be apologetic for it. So where you are targeted, raise your voices. And I think that's so key. You see any other faith group uh, being targeted because of their uh, religion or their race, they will shout from the rooftops oh, yeah. and you will be on the front pages of news outlets. Massive backlash. Why is it not the same for people from a Dharmic tradition? Very fair point, Babaji. Um, brilliant stuff. Look, I think we're getting deep into sort of all, all the problems. I think there's lots yes. to be celebrated, uh, of course, from such a diverse diverse bunch. And so, uh, NSF, the largest student body outside of India? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Hindu body outside sure. of India. Yes. So the largest Hindu student movement outside of India. Yeah. Lots to be celebrated, lots to be discussed. But before we get into that, and Bhavya, I know you've listened to the podcast before, we're going to go into what we call the rapid fire round. Oh, wow. Oh, no. some, <laughs> some, some rapid questions. Right. And we'd always, we always start with this one, and maybe one day we'll explain why. If you were stranded on a desert island, what three items would you take with you and why? You know, my drive up, I was thinking about this question. I couldn't answer it. <laughs> I think one thing would be if I'm allowed to cheat and take some sort of technology with me, maybe like an old school iPod shuffle or Walkman, um, I'll have songs on there. Sure. I think, uh, I think yeah, songs are good. If I can have some podcasts on there, that's good. <laughs> um, I, mainly, I, I love songs and I think that'll give me good company. Uh, the other thing would be possibly some sort of reading material. I can't pin, pin it down to one book. I do like, uh, if anyone's read the Sherub series out there, it's, uh, it's a fictional book about kids being spies, and that's a brilliant book. Past okay. <laughs> um, I think the last thing would be some sort of meditation guidance book. I think I'm going to be out there for quite a while, so it's probably good to get in touch with the inner self, and uh, I definitely need help to do that. So. Sure, yeah. sure. If you had to choose between fighting one horse-sized chicken okay. or ten chicken-sized horses, okay, which would you pick? I'm going to go for ten chicken-sized horses. Okay. Yeah, I think smaller the better. Okay. Yeah? Is that, yeah. Is that your only rationale? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to fight them in the first place. Of course. But, you know. I think so, right? <laughs> um, I think so. I think a uh, horse-sized chicken is sure. pretty big. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure, yeah. fine. Okay. Uh, we'll ask this question on, on more podcasts, <laughs> I'm sure. What's a single piece of advice that you've been given that you would say has changed your life? I think one good thing someone said to me was often people say the youth are the leaders of tomorrow, but actually youth are the leaders of today. Wow. Um, and that really stuck with me. Of You know, if you want to see a change happen, the most time you have, the most vocal you're going to be before you get tied down with other responsibilities when you're a student or when you're young. Mm. So I think that's really drive the work that I do. Of, you know, if I want to see a change or if I feel passionate about something, now is the time to put my, you know, my hard work. Now is the time to put my work and effort into it. I, I have to agree with that. The, the, the youth really are where it's at. So, so an organization like National Hindu Student Forum is, is a great place to 
to have your children be aware of, be a part of, and even like post-university, right? You've finished uni, the National Committee's finished uni. I know there are people on sort of the advisory board and that that are well past university (laughs) years, but are still contributing to this forum. So that's great to see. Definitely. And it's that support network. Um, And I think, especially for my mum, you know, her not having to worry what I get up to at university because her only worry is I spend more time at Hindu society than my lectures. (laughs) And I think that's a good worry to have. Good, good problems to have. Babaji, what goes into your perfect breakfast smoothie? Oh, God. Um, well, I've recently started to heal, so that's a cheat. <laughs> but uh, uh, I love berries. So strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, uh, bananas would be nice, and coconut water. Fair enough. Mm. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Either speed or flying. Okay, so you like Superman. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Well, how would speed help you? What would you? Oh, I think it's just it's good. I don't need to drive a car anymore. You know, Ahimsa. <laughs> Do my part for the environment. I wonder what Superman's carbon footprint looks like. Yeah, it depends how much he eats. I reckon. <laughs> Do you have a favorite quote? I think the one that I've heard the most and I read the most is Arise, awake, stop not till the goal is reached by Swami Vivekananda. Uh, and I think that ties into what we said earlier, right? It's if you want if you feel passionate about something, work towards it. Uh, especially Swami Vivekananda, a strong advocate for, for the youth. And you know, he was very much a visionary in the sense that he knew the youth were the future of tomorrow mm. uh, and of today. So. Very admirable. Uh, Swami Vivekananda is one of, one of my idols, one of my guides in life. Uh, we were in Chicago. Yes. You know, yeah. we, were, we were at the Fullerton Hall where he stood and spoke back in, I think it was 1893. Um, standing ovation for six minutes. Amazing, amazing stuff. So great memories had there. What does the term sustainability mean to you? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, yeah, I would equate sustainability to dharma. Uh, something that is based on a value system that will help you not just sustain yourself, but also flourish yourself. And again, the first podcast that we go back to is, you know, it's all good being sustainable, but you don't want to sustain yourself to be bad. Mm. Uh, You want to sustain yourself to become better and better and better. Um, So, yeah, I think think it's that, what values do you have that can make you and others sustainable around you? And, and I think you said this earlier, right, bringing it from sort of into conscious, then conscious to unconscious, yeah. having that sort of servant mindset, being dharmic. So that's what sustainability means. So, Bhavaji, challenge for you then. Is there a commitment you could make here today on the podcast that helps you as an individual become a little bit more sustainable, a little bit more dharmic? There is. Uh, last year, we did a half marathon as a couple of us on national committee. Uh, since then, I haven't run, and I do want to run. So... Maybe a commitment will be this year we'll definitely run a half marathon and now train for it. Brilliant. How about that? Maybe a 5K a week to start off with. Okay. I'll be watching your Strava. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, I don't know if I should do this. I'll, I'll commit to the same. Yeah? I'll match you, Bobby. Okay, I'll let's do, do it. 5K a week and we'll go do a half marathon. Let's do it. I think let's I'm do it. Do. Brilliant. You said earlier you couldn't pin a book necessarily but maybe for our audience at home, is there a book that you could recommend for them to pick up and read? Um, 
Yeah, there's quite a few. Uh, depends what topic. <laughs> um, I think, don't know if this is mentioned before, but uh, if we were talking about Sevak mindset, uh, Sadhana of Service, it's a great book by Eknaji Rande on um, pretty much a step-by-step guidance of how do I become and how do I build a Sevak mindset. Uh, so it's a very practical book. Uh, easy read, but um, yeah, a good guide, I think. Brilliant. All right, I think we'll, we'll end the rapid fire round there. Perfect. We'll put you under <laughs> enough pressure. Um, but let's get back into the episode. National Hindu Student Forum, been around for 30 years, and, and you're celebrating that in this year. What does the next 30 years look like? It's a good question. I think to answer that, you sort of need to know what today looks like. And I think for our 30th year anniversary, our team have created a Hindu exhibition. It's called The Great Hindu Journey. And what it highlights is threefolds. One, how have we as Hindus and Indians contributed to the British society? So whether it be in finance or civil servants or um, yoga, all of these different fields and sectors, what is our contribution? Secondly is, what is our journey? So sort of looking from the late 50s to now, what has the migration journey been like for Hindus and Indians? So things like uh, the exile in Uganda, how did that affect us as a community? And a lot of us moved here. So we've interviewed people that were there, have moved to the UK in their challenges. And from that all the way to now, which we're seeing a big IT boom and big IT migration. But it's, it's great to see as a ethnic minority in this country from being exiled from a country to now becoming one of the most affluent communities here in the UK within the span of 60 years. Mm. That, that's a great achievement. Mm. So we're highlighting that. And the lastly is our history as NHSF over the last 30 years. What have we done and how have we been a pillar for the British Hindu community? And so looking over the next 30 years is to, to, to increase that, to increase that contribution uh, that we can bring to this country. And like I said, to make Britain more dharmic. And this sort of goes back to our four Ps and it's part and parcel of what we do to protect, preserve, practice and promote Hindu dharma. Uh, and that will always be a core to what we do as NHSF. That's very admirable, and I, for one, will be a supporter. I think Vichar Mantan will, will follow the movements quite closely, and um, yeah, it's exciting times to see how a small grassroots organisation over the last 30 years has managed to celebrate and, and bring diversity to, to such a large audience. Um, it's amazing to see. Yeah, and I, I would like to add, like, what's admirable is, you know, the oldest person on our committee is, not me, uh, 26. And so we're running one of the biggest organizations and our oldest member is 26. And one of the reasons why we can do that is because we have great support from our community. Mm. Uh, the blessings that we have got from our elders, the guidance we get from the rest of the community, organizations like Vijar Manthan really do help guide and nurture us to make sure we're doing the right thing. And I think that's also important to highlight that over the last 30 years, we've had so many supporters along the way and we still do. And it truly is, we stand on the shoulders of giants. And so I think one thing we always say as NHSF is, you know, we're very grateful for everyone that's been a part of the journey, 
whether you've been on national committee, whether you're just a part of your local Hindu society, you have impacted and left that legacy of British Hindu students in this country. Powerful words. Thank you for sharing, Babaji. And actually, this year also, you have a full-time volunteer, right? We do, yes. So, Gajolji Desai is a Vistarika for us, which means full-time volunteer. So, she has taken a year out of her life and just dedicated full-time, 24-7 to NHSF, but also to the British Hindu community. And the magnitude of that is she's left home. Mm. She doesn't live at home. She doesn't have any of her own money. She has to stay at student houses, at Samaj members' houses. And the money she spends is not hers, but of the community. Mm. And so that's a big commitment. Mm. You know, going from things that, you know, oh, you might just buy willy-nilly or oh, well, I'm hungry, I'm going to buy a Snickers bar. Creature comforts, things right? like that. But uh, yeah, pushing outside the comfort zone. And um, yeah, she's doing great work uh, at the grassroots. So at an individual level, that sacrifice she's made of her own time and life, but then also at, it gives society the responsibility to look after her on her journey as she travels around and uh, visits students and helps that movement. And so hopefully there'll be more more Vistariks and Vistarikas coming out of, of National Hindu Student Forum. Yeah, definitely. We look forward to them. <laughs> all, all the students listening, you know, <laughs> sign up. And you know what, honestly, I, I've seen with Vicharmanth and has, has a Vistarik and some other organisations have had similar members of society dedicate not just a year, but there are people who have dedicated their lives to movement like this. So the Pracharaks that we have, um, a, a big, big namaste goes out, goes out to them who guide us and support us. And you're talking about at a student level, even Vichar Manthan, and, and personally speaking, the guidance I've received in helping me do things like this, a podcast like this, go on to stages around the world to talk about things that matter to me and representation is, is a massive, massive boost, massive guidance and I am forever grateful for those experiences. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, most definitely. And I think one of the things that you can do as a Vistarika or Vistarika full-time is dedicate yourself to a project that will be there in the next 30 years. But mm. she's laying the foundation. So one thing she's doing right now, and what we as NHSF are doing is expanding our reach just from Hindu societies. So we're approaching Yog societies, Buddhist societies, Jain societies, these Dharmic backgrounds, faiths and traditions to bring them together on campuses. When we talk about the Hindu faith or Dharmic traditions, and you mentioned our Bunya Bumi, so Bharat, and the values and the systems that come from that, things like meditation as we know today, yoga or yog as we refer to it as, are things like that important to students? 100%. Very easy. What we do as NSF is, Actually, we put aside, you know, the Hindu side of things and we look at what are the challenges that students are facing. So things like mental health is on the rise and has been over the last couple of years, especially within students. So where can we turn to to help with that? And you know, things like yoga, meditation, dhyan are great solutions for it. And so more and more students are realizing that, you know, some of the problems they're having, the solutions for them are quite ancient, but very relevant. Um, and so, therefore, we've seen a massive uptake in doing seva as well, because uh, you know everyone loves to give back. Uh, it makes you feel good. It helps with your mental space and mental capacity. Um, but what it also does is gives you that sense of purpose that I think a lot of students are yearning for. Why are you a part of the National Hindu Student Forum? Why is the NHSF important to Bavia? 
I could say because someone told me to join. <laughs> I think it's a bit bigger. It's I'm very passionate about what we have to offer from Dharmic traditions and backgrounds. And therefore, NHSF was a perfect avenue. But two is, I'm also very passionate about students. So things that matter to students, things like having a safe space on campus. I've seen firsthand what happens when you don't have a safe space on campus. And therefore, that's a motivator to wanting to do and be a part of this movement to help other students after me. But on a very selfish level, actually, like the amount that I have grown personally over the last four or five years has been immense. I talked about earlier, right? Project managing events uh, that are a thousand people big, pulling off sports competition, Navratris. All of these are upskilling myself. I think, again, going back to that first or second podcast, you want to upskill yourself so that you can serve the community in a better manner. My ability to respond has increased over the last four or five years because of the skills I've been gaining. You mentioned there about leaving it in a better place than you found it, and, and that's a good ethos to have for lots of projects. And that alludes to things like sustainability or leaving a legacy or leaving your mark. So what one thing would you like to, or maybe you've already done it, like to leave as an impact within the National Hindu Student Forum that in 30 years' time, a member or, or the national president at that time can look back and think, ah, yes, that was a great move. That was something really powerful for this forum. Well, well, I think it's not necessarily what I would like, but what, what actually we as a team think is the need of the hour. That is Hindus becoming more assertive. And when I mean assertive, not aggressive, but being proud in their identity. So things like when we do face Hindu phobia or anti-Hindu sentiments, actually our Hindu students are brave enough to stand up, they're equipped with the knowledge and know how to articulate themselves. And that then will turn around and bring this wholesome expansion of Hindu thought, Hindu philosophy, dharmic principles onto campuses. And that the ultimate goal is to make Britain more dharmic. So quick, quick thing then, right? Mm -hmm. So when I go to India, to Bharat, we, we go on these big expeditions, we go on yatras, yes, we yeah. visit mandiras and, and temples all around the country. A lot of walking. A lot of walking. <laughs> In fact, I don't know if you've been to Vashnadevi. I haven't, no. That is a trek is and it? a half. Oh, wow. um, that really tests you. So these 5Ks and half marathons, <laughs> they mean nothing to, yeah. to a yatra there. So NHSF have something similar coming up here soon? We do, again, a part of our 30th anniversary celebrations. We're starting in summer uh, doing yatras in the UK. Okay. So just like you said, you know, like myself as well, we've been brought up doing yatras in Bharat. Uh, for myself, I've done Palitana, which is chain yatra. And, you know, actually a lot of our students now are second, third generation, right? They don't go to India, Bharat as often. And looking long term, you know, Hindus are here to stay, right? We're going to stay here probably for minimum 100, 200 years, right? So way beyond our lifetime, our great-grandchildren, great etc. And so if we truly think about making Britain more dharmic, we started this initiative of doing yatras here. So going out into nature, into Britain. So we're doing Peak District and South Downs. And starting this tradition of doing yatras in the UK, building that affinity towards Britain. And in this yatra, we'll be taking a murti up with us, 
and then doing the arti at the top and then bringing uh, the murti back down. And what it's building is that bahaw, bahaw, the bahaw to and love of Britain, but also that we understand that our culture, our the Hamic traditions are embedded into Britain. And that's what we're starting. And so it's open to anyone, not just students. Uh, I'm sure we can, you'll find the information on our website and our Instagram. But yeah, I do urge people to come along. Thank you very much, Bhavya, for joining us here. Bhavya, the National Hindu Students Forum President, uh, an organization that has been around for 30 years, standing tall, tirelessly serving the needs of Hindu students on campus, promoting pride in our British Hindu identity, uh, and really a forum to protect, preserve, practice, and promote Hindu and Sanatan Dharma. Thank you very much for joining us, Bhavya I think it's been very interesting to hear the, the views of someone who sees that angle from students, sees what our Dharmic faith see on campus, the challenges they face, uh, and how really a forum like this helps contribute to society, helps build our students in both their personal, professional, uh, and spiritual ways of development to build a more wholesome, a more flourishing society. So uh, I think you said it earlier, right? The, the future of today is, is from our students, and we stand on the shoulders of giants. So thank you very much for joining us. And to our listeners at home, this was the Vichar Manthan podcast today with NHSF, National Hindu Student Forum. Look forward to seeing you on another episode. Please do email in. Always interested to hear what you thought, any comments, suggestions, or even complaints. We're here to get that conversation started in an earnest manner. Namaste. Namaste.